here. So, we, like most of you, through lockdown, some things changed. We developed different habits, different hobbies, different things, because we were locked down for so long. One of the things that changed for me was my attitude to biographies and autobiographies. If you're ever sitting on a train, you know, and you see someone in front of me and they're reading, you know, the life and times of Tony Blair or something like that, I would often think, who wants to read that? Why would you? And it's like this thick. <laughs> I think, why, what's the interest in biographies? Never interested me. And I don't know what it was that started us on this, but we, we by accident, I can't even remember who the first person was, we listened to a documentary about the life story of someone. And it was fascinating, particularly in the latter years. Most of these people, you know, on YouTube who you can see their life stories, most of them are very famous. Most of them have been mega successful. But one of the ironic things that's coming to my attention, the more biographies we listen to, is common denominators. Do you know the number of people now that I've seen when they're in their latter years, they've finished their careers, whatever it was, the number of people when they ask them, what would you do differently? You know, like when you look back, you were really successful. You had a good life. What would you change if you had to go back? The number of people who are very quick to answer that question. Aha! I wasted so much time. I wasted so much time on things I didn't need to. Buying things I didn't need. Pursuing goals I didn't need to. What was wrong with me? What was I thinking of back then? Anthony Hopkins, the actor, I'm sure you all know him. He got an award recently for his role in the movie The Father got an Oscar for that I think it was and they interviewed him after that now he's 83 and they were saying to him looking back on your life wonderful life very successful what would you change and it was the same response same fast response he jumped at the opportunity to answer that question what would I change and he said this when I was a young man like 15 16 beginning to have a passion for drama I loved acting but somehow in me there was a need for acceptance by Hollywood. I wanted to be one of them. I wanted to be accepted by them. I wanted the recognition that goes with that. And I spent 15 years sculpting my career, organizing my life so that I would get that Oscar. And he said, lo and behold, the day came when my dream was fulfilled. There I am in LA picking up my Oscar. And he said, do you know what the problem was? I hated that society. I didn't like it. Right from the day I went there, I didn't fit it. I just didn't work for me. I had spent all this time, money and effort to get something that I didn't want and I didn't even need. Bit like the prodigal son, huh? You know, I think what, what Anthony Hopkins was saying there, there was a false necessity. I had somehow within me, I was being led, my life was being pulled into a false necessity. So he ended up moving away from that whole Hollywood thing and going back to the basic thing that he loved, 
which was interacting with an audience, in his case, through stage plays and things like that. In your life and in my life, there's things come at us in three ways. There's things that are important, things that are urgent, and the things that are needed. <laughs> and so often the important things, it's important, it's important, can take precedence when they shouldn't maybe. The urgent things, the thing that shouts the loudest gets our attention. And often the necessary thing, maybe not shouting so loudly, you know, the necessary thing, the needed thing, gets pushed back, pushed back, year after year, decade after decade, one day I will, one day I'll do the, the necessary thing, and it just doesn't happen. You know, when you buy a car, you buy, you, you've got the offer of that basic model of a car. And if you're buying a car, what they'll offer you is all these optional extras. <laughs> you've got your, the car is what you need, okay? That's the necessity. But the temptation of this life, and certainly society, is to offer you many add-ons, like an Oscar. Offer you many things in addition to this basic thing. And if you're not careful, you'll end up with more of your life being spent trying to purchase the accessories, purchase the extras, and lose your connection with the basic purpose that God has called us to. Today's message is called The Theory of Necessities. And it's just been a thought and a prayer in our mind this week. I want to make three points, two brief points and one longer point. Looking at necessities and how they come at us uh, um, through advertising and indeed through the devil. Look at mental health and how being driven to achieve goals can really affect us mentally. It certainly did me. And then look at what the Bible says, most importantly, what Jesus says about necessities. The true needs that you have. The true needs I have. Firstly, advertising. I'm sure you will agree. We are bombarded by advertising from day one. And much of that advertising is trying to convince you. You need that job. You need that dress. You need that suit, that car, that house, that whatever, that image. And if you don't have that... How can you be accepted? You're not going to be accepted. You need that to be accepted. You're not attractive. You're not attractive unless you have this or this or this or this. This is advertising. Powerful tool. You look weak. You look weak unless you have this possession. Unless you have this possession. You look weak. And advertising is, is a clever tool. I studied it once in school. I remember it. I loved the study because I found it fascinating. Very devious, but fascinating nonetheless. They play on, on, on needs within people, basic human needs. The need to be accepted, the need to, to feel at least attractive in some way, and the need for some form of power, some form of control, if you like. And I'll come back to that in a moment. When was it? About six or seven months ago, I, I saw an article about Coldplay. You know the rock band Coldplay? Very successful band. And the lead singer of that band is a guy called Chris Martin. 
studied here in Bloomsbury and UCL, studied music and then went out and formed this band, he became mega successful. He sold 80 million albums. That is phenomenal. Phil's Wembley Stadium, 50, nominated for 54 awards, music awards around the world. Now that's going to build your confidence, don't you think? <laughs> no, no. So then he, he, he met supermodel J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez. So he married Jennifer Lopez. Then he divorced Jennifer Lopez because it didn't work out. So then he married another supermodel, Gwyneth Paltrow. And after his divorce from Paltrow, he did an interview, very open, very honest. And the press said to him, tell us why. Why did you break up? You've got children with Paltrow. Why did you break up with her? His answer was not what I expected. And I don't think his answer was what the world expected. The man who sold 80 million albums, the man who fills stadiums around the world, the man who married two supermodels, do you know what he said? I have a very low self-esteem. <laughs> That's what he said. I have a problem with my self-image. Let me show you this. I hope you can see this on your screens. Let me show you this. Look at this. Let's say this is you, okay? This is you, and in the basic human being, we can feel quite empty, perhaps. But praise God. If God comes along, you get born again. He fills you up with his Holy Spirit. And when you're actually full, the wonderful thing is, there's no need for anything else to take space. You've got no space left anyway. Do you want an Oscar? No need. You've got nowhere to put it, actually. I'm quite full as I am. Full in God. Full of God. Christ is my all in all. Wonderful way to be. And this is God's design for human beings. This is God's design for you that he would fill you. Now this is Chris Martin. This is a person who, okay, here we go. 80 million albums, watch, look. Where'd it go? <laughs> huh? Okay, 54 music awards. And no matter what you give him, J-Lo, J-Lo, that'll do the job. J-Lo will do the job. That'll do the trick. Here you are, J-Lo. Now we can play this game all day. And what, what Chris Martin, I thank God for that, his honesty, because what he's actually saying there is, there's a hole in my bucket. Dear Liza, dear Liza, there's a hole in my bucket. How shall we fix it? Dear Henry, dear Henry, how shall we fix it? And when it comes to the needs, because they can cry out like important things and, uh, you know, urgent things, can scream for our attention, but it's very important the way you address those drives, those needs of this life. So the first thing I would say my theory of necessities anyway, be very careful of advertising telling me I need something that I don't need. Thank you. <laughs> the second thing is these devils. I mean, Satan is not stupid. He's called cunning. 
cunning fool. And this cunning fool, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, hmm, what's my first and most effective strategy to destroy you? What's the first? What can I do with these people? I know. Eve, see that tree? You need this. This is the one thing you need. You will never be accepted. You will never be attractive. You will never be powerful. You'll never be perceived in any of these ways unless you have that tree. And it was need-based attack in the beginning. And I believe it's the same today. It's the same for you and for me. The first thing I would say, be careful of advertising and be careful of demonic attack also insinuating that you lack in some way that God says you don't. And the third thing, very personal to me, is regarding mental health. Spending your life chasing the approval of people. Ch spending your life like Anthony Hopkins, wanting the approval of a particular group of people, and then when you arrive there, you realize you can't stand it. <laughs> And this is true. Uh, Pastor Richard's teaching on the Friday a few weeks back, superbly honest, absolutely superb. Very similar to what I'm saying here. He told us his testimony of how he'd pursued many goals, but then realized this is not actually what I want. And I'm sure many of you will agree with that, concur with that, me also. So be careful, but mentally, I, 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 it's very important for me to be strong. I've had ups and downs in my life, and at a, I had many things in my life, many possessions, many status, etc., and at one moment I lost just about everything, uh, and I found myself with virtually nothing. But lo and behold, uh, instead of going back out and trying to fill the... I changed my strategy completely, actually. I changed my mind. And I didn't try and get everything back. I much preferred the simplicity. Like Anthony Hopkins, I'll just go back to walk the boards, the simplicity of what I actually like. And I've chosen a relatively, comparatively simple path in life. Not being driven by needs that... I, I shouldn't even have entertained in the first place. Not needing to be something that pleases people that I don't even like. But rather just to be me and be content in God. I went to night class in London here just to understand my own motivations better. And I studied a thing called CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. I'll be honest, it was totally out of my depth. I felt completely out at sea within that group. But I went for a reason. I went to try and understand myself better. And I was very glad I went. I got what I went for. I got what I went for. And, you know, the lights come on at a certain moment. In one of the classes, they were teaching us about human beings operate very much from underlying beliefs. They, they call it automatic thoughts. Underlying beliefs. Excuse me, using Chris Martin again. But you see, he has some underlying beliefs. Here's, here's an award. No, I'm no good. Here's a, the Wembley Stadium full. No, I'm still no good. That's an underlying belief. It's an automatic thought. And some people believe that they're not lovable. Nobody will ever love me. Nobody wants me. It's an underlying belief. Maybe they're not even conscious of it. And then someone comes in and says, I love you. 
What's the thought? No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't love me because nobody loves me. And in CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, it's very enlightening for me. They, they were encouraging us to try and analyze the hidden things that have motiv motivated you. And I found that very helpful for me to be honest, a bit like Chris Martin is being very honest, to be honest about my life, my goals, my desires, and why I was even pursuing the things I was pursuing. I don't want someone to interview me when I'm 95 and, and me say, well, you know, last year I, I stopped pursuing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Let's learn from these characters. And let's learn now. Let's stop now and, and reconsider. Ray, could you put the, the graphic up of, of Maslow's self-actualization? Many of you who, who have been to whatever form of social work or school, you may have done this. This graphic here shows a, a famous um, structure. It's Abraham Maslow's theory of human needs. And it begins, at the, in, in theory, there were five levels that drive us. Have you got the graphic, Ray, please? Thank you. The basic level was physiological, that human beings are driven by the need for just basic human needs, for clothes, for food, for shelter, etc. And if that need is met, we move up the pyramid. And next, we want safety. And once safety is met, we move up the pyramid again. And now we want social, social interaction, and eventually esteem, social status. And if all those needs are met, we move forward to the, to the pinnacle, which is self-actualization. We actually want to become everything that God, or if it's not a Christian, that the person feels that they should be. And Maslow's theory of human needs is, is pretty good. It's pretty good um, from a worldly perspective. Once you get your physiological needs met, you're not looking for clothing and air and shelter and food. I've got that. Now, I need to be safe. London is dangerous. Now I've got safety. I'm okay. Now I need a family. And our needs move. They change as we fulfill these lower levels. Now we've got a family, but I still want esteem. I want to be held in esteem. I want status. And then eventually, a human being comes, a bit like Hollywood again, they come to a place of self, they want self-actualization. They want to become everything that they can be. That's just a human drive. And Maslow's analysis of human beings was that these things become progressive. As we fulfill one, we want to fulfill the other. Now, you see, when you're doing evangelism and you stop someone on the street and I say to them, sir, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. Do you know what the guy says? Jesus Christ, I'm trying to pay my rent. I haven't got a job. You're talking about Jesus Christ. You're talking about high and lofty things. I need to put food on the table. I'm not ready to hear your conversation. And that is so true. People get trapped in the lower levels. And the reason I mention that is this. How would Jesus address this permit? How did Jesus address this pyramid? Listen to these words from Jesus Christ. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you're going to eat or drink. 
So rather than saying focus on those physiological things, Jesus said, is the body not more than that? And do not worry about the clothes you will wear. And on and on he goes. Instead, Jesus says, instead, seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Do not the pagans run after all these basic things? Jesus takes Maslow's theory. And do you know what he does? He turns the pyramid upside down. Upside down. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first to be all that God wants you to be. And everything else will be added unto you. I will look after your physiological needs. I will provide for you. Seek first God. So as much as I appreciate the studies of men. And I do. And I sincerely mean that. can learn a lot. But I need to superimpose on my worldly education. Scripture. And scripture must take priority. Do you know what Jesus is saying when he says, do not worry about these basic needs? Do you know what he's saying? In life, there are things that are important. There's things that are urgent. I've got no food. I can't pay my rent. That's what he's saying. Very directly. But don't let the urgent take you away from what's necessary. The theory of necessities. Don't let the important and the urgent dominate you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Do what is needed. Do what is necessary. Atanasio, Pastor Michael and Sandra, they were <coughs> very interesting discussion on Friday night in our Bible college. They were reading when, 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 in Luke's Gospel where Jesus sends out the disciples he sends them out into the world now you're commissioning some men and you're sending them out to different regions and what does he say to them he says go i am sending you out like lambs among wolves take no money <laughs> here's all the basic needs take no money take no sandals <laughs> no coat no tunic nothing no bag and off you go and don't stop anywhere along the road Okay, so what's happening here? I mean, these are the needs, aren't they? Aren't these my basic needs? Is Jesus saying I don't need food? Is Jesus saying I don't need a coat? I don't need... No, no, no. He's not saying that. He's challenging the source. He's asking you where are you going to get those things from. And then... After they come back in Luke chapter 22, Jesus says this to them. When I sent you out with nothing... Did you lack anything? And you know what they said? Nothing. Jesus, when we turn that pyramid upside down, do you know what? We lacked nothing. Amazing. Amazing. But we can spend our lives sorting it out ourselves. And Jesus wanted them to know, actually, <laughs> I would rather you spent your life with the kingdom and I'll sort that out. So you have a little choice here. Which do you want? Do you want to spend 60 years just doing the basics? Or would you like me to take that and as you pursue the kingdom? How shall we play this? My second full-time employed, the second time I got employed by a church full-time. I went to the interview. There was two senior pastors there. The interview went very well. We really got on great. 
And, we, and it was obvious they were going to offer me the position. I loved the position. It looked really good to me. It looked like I would get a lot of experience. I loved the guys. It was going to be very beneficial. So I was happy with this outcome. In the interview, we didn't get to the part where you talk about money. <laughs> so getting to the end, <coughs> is anybody going to mention <coughs> money? So we got to that bit at the end of the, of the thing. And both of the, I'll never forget it because... Both of the guys looked at me as if I was an alien, you know. Money? Did you honestly think that there was going to be any money? And they were totally serious. No, no, we're offering you a full-time position with our church, but no, that, that, the money thing's your, your problem. It's funny, I really am appreciative to God to this very day for that challenge and that moment. Because... You know, I had about one second to answer that question. Do you know that? I had less than a second. But that challenge made me find something inside myself that I didn't even know was there. There was a, This statement was never said, but it was said, you know. Do you still want the job kind of thing? <laughs> and I just jumped at it. Oh, I see. I have to provide something inside me rose up and said, I'll take the job. I was excited because I'm not relying on human beings. I'm not, I don't have to rely on people. Faith is exciting. Something's going to happen here. Yes, I'll take the job. I'll take the job. God himself will provide for me. And he did. Superbly. Amen. So be careful about getting trapped into a human perspective or an earthly perspective on spiritual things. Okay, scripture. What did Jesus say about needs? Plenty. <coughs> Excuse me. What did Jesus say about the way I should fulfill my needs? The first big thing for me, the first big piece of advice from Jesus Christ on needs is this. It is necessary that you give God uninterrupted, undisturbed, quality time with you alone with God. It is a necessity. It's a need. It's a requirement in your relationship. Number one, it is necessary for you to turn the phone off. Oh, I prayed in the car on the way to work. No, no, we're not talking about that. It is necessary for you to need to have time alone with God. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was distracted by the important, by the urgent. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the important, urgent things? Tell her to help me. And Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha. Why are you worried and troubled about so many things? Only one thing is, is a necessity. <laughs> Only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that thing and it will not be taken from her. 
I feel sorry for Martha, because there she is working. It's quite natural to feel sorry for Martha. However, Jesus is not wrong. Martha's making a mistake. Do you know the mistake Martha's making? She's going to miss the miracle. Martha misses the miracle. If Martha had said, Do you know what? I know the food needs to be cooked. But it's more important than need right now is to be with Jesus. So I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm not going to cook. Instead, I'm going to go and I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. What would have happened? A miracle! The neighbor comes in, Martha, I saw you had some guests and guess what? I made this big pot of food and we didn't have anyone. Oh, thank you. God would have answered that need. If, if Martha had chosen to seek first the kingdom, turn the pyramid upside down, she would have encountered God's provision in that situation. That's what she was missing. Once in, in, in Glasgow, I, I, it was a real challenge to me at the time. <coughs> we had a certain amount of money in our church account. And that was all we had. And at that time, we had a lot of staff, a lot of full-time staff in our church there. And wages day was like two weeks away. But a, a major need came up in a church. And we had a pastor's meeting and they were saying, this is the need. Um, but to meet this need would take every penny we've got. We, we, we're not capable of doing that. We've got to pay staff and everything else in a couple of weeks' time. So the meeting went on, but I just felt God prompt me to meet the need. You know? Now, the staff wages, that's important. <laughs> that's urgent. As a couple of weeks away, I need to have those funds there for this. But this is necessary. I said to the finance guy, I said, do you know what I want you to do? Would you send all of this to this church and just get them out of trouble? So he went away and he came back to me and he said, uh, Pastor Mike, you do know that the wages are too excited. Yes, 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 yes. And you do know that this is everything we have as a church. Yes, 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 I know that. Okay, <laughs> your decision, your problem. Yes, yeah, not my problem at all. It's not my problem, no. My, my problem is to do what's right in this moment. That's, that's, I need to do what's needed. That's my problem. I'm not going to be a Martha. I'm not going to try and fuss over this. So we gave that away. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth. This is the truth. I had no fear at all. I had no, I didn't. That's what faith's like. I had no fear. I had no, didn't lose any sleep. And Sunday came in the church. No one knew except me and this guy about this actual transaction and what I'd done and the full amount I'd sent. But this guy came to me on the Sunday <coughs> and he said, can I talk to you? And he had a number on, the, on his little piece of paper, which I won't mention. But he said, look at what was in the offering this morning. <laughs> it was virtually the same thing. That was the second biggest offering in 12 years in Glasgow that came in. And it just immediately supplanted and he, he was really, he said, praise God, this is a miracle. This is what happens when you do what's necessary. This is what happens. This is what would have happened, Martha. She would have marveled at how God had intervened. But she didn't give him the chance. She didn't give him the chance. She could have sorted out herself. The first thing that's necessary is unhurried, quiet time with God. The second thing I believe is faith. 
<laughs> you need faith in the Christian life. We need faith and patience. In the book of Hebrews, it says that. Hebrews chapter 6, it says, To imitate the characters of history who, through faith and patience, <coughs> inherited, <coughs> inherited the promises of God. If anybody tells you faith is not important in the Christian life, don't believe them. One of the problems we have is that in a country like the UK particularly, maybe you don't need to use your faith. Right? You hear that regularly. We've got the social welfare system. If you lose your job, you can get some help from the government. We've got a health service. Bless them. I know this is a difficult time, but nonetheless, we do have a better health service than 90% of the countries on this planet, friend. You have access to many things that can diminish our need for faith. If you work in an office and you never do any physical work, you're in danger of becoming unhealthy, right? If you just sit at a desk all day. So what do you do? You join a gym, I hope. And you create an artificial atmosphere to get some physical health because you know if you don't exercise your body to some degree, you're going to pay a price for that sooner or later, probably sooner. So you create an artificial environment where you do exercise to keep yourself physically healthy. So it is with faith, especially in wealthier countries. You may not need to use your faith. Maybe you don't use your faith. That's where the MFP comes in. Mission's Fifth Pledge. It's a great system. Many millions of people around this world have been kept healthy spiritually through an MFP workout. Because this country doesn't require me maybe with that kind of faith, but I'm going to my gym. I'm going to make my MFP. I, I know it's a slightly artificial environment perhaps, but it's necessary for me to be healthy and well. Faith and patience are needed. They're necessary for the Christian life. Third thing I think is necessary, every member is necessary. Every single member in the church is necessary, even the people that you think are not necessary. Even the parts that you think have no function. <coughs> in every church, every church is the same. You have people with a very high profile because God gives them giftings. Sandra, for example, or Ray. There are certain people and they pop up constantly. They're not asking for that. They're not seeking it. It's not in their mind. But they're prominent. And there's other people. You never hear a word about them. Maybe you don't even know their name. But do not be deceived. You have no idea what that person, who you don't know their name, you have no idea what they do. Maybe they pray for you, huh? Maybe they pray for you. Maybe they have been secretly interceding for you. Maybe your success is because of that quiet, anonymous person. The Apostle Paul talks about this. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Because every part is necessary and even the parts that are hidden and not seen serve a very important task. I had a speech impediment for most of my early life. <coughs> and they took me to all these sorts of things to do treatments and all that. And in the end, one doctor said, 
remove his tonsils <laughs> out with them <laughs> so they, they 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 made the decision that it was probably my tonsils that was causing this and i had an operation when i was about 12 or something i went to the hospitals and they took my tonsils out because they said to us your tonsils are not important they're not important you don't need them we don't know what they are <laughs> But since those days, policies have changed. Since those days, they've realized that the tonsils are actually part of your immune system. Something becoming ever, ever more important, right? The tonsils are one of the first lines of the body's defense. It's a trigger mechanism within your body. And recent research, particularly in the States, has unearthed all sorts of realities about your tonsils. Be very careful about despising a part of the body. That seems insignificant because you may get a surprise. Fourthly, your words are needed. You need to speak. You need to say things. The Apostle Paul said, Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word of, ed of edification, according to the need of the moment, say that. Say that. And this really moved me this week. You know, when God created the world, it says he spoke. He didn't just think it. He spoke it. And I feel convicted in myself. You know, so often I want to say something encouraging to someone. Right? And I don't say it. In my, I feel a prompting. Go and say, encourage them with this. But something can hold me back. Maybe they'll take it wrong. Maybe it will sound silly. But the Apostle Paul, listen carefully to what I'm saying, folks. Because this really, really stirred me up this week. The Apostle Paul says, if you've got something good that you feel, say it, <laughs> say it. I told you the story of a man who was going to kill himself. I didn't know that at the time. He was outside our church building and I felt sorry for him. I looked through the, through the window and I saw him too afraid to come in. And that day, you know, so, so often you could see a homeless person and you just sit and you think and you pray for them. But you don't say anything. And that day I went outside and I went over to the man. I actually knew his name through other people. His name was Jimmy. And I said, Jimmy, uh, do you know what? You're welcome in here anytime. You can come into the church anytime you want. Whew, he was gone like a shot. He was just gone. That's what he was like. But Jimmy stopped uh, my first wife, Jeanette. He stopped her about a week later. And he, it's, this was such a shock because he would never speak to anybody. And he said, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? <laughs> and he was bursting to tell someone. He said, I was going to kill myself. I'm a drug addict. I sleep in the shop. We knew where he slept. I sleep in the shop, the empty shop. I'm going to kill myself because nobody loves him. I've got nothing in my life. Everybody hates me. And he said, your husband. He said. He said to me, you're welcome in here anytime. And you know, I went back. And I had stuff to actually do myself in. He had a bottle of vodka and he had his heroin. And he was going to overdose on both and kill himself. He thought painlessly. And he said, I sat down and those words were going through my head. I'm welcome somewhere. And God created the word he spoke. Jesus said, you're going to have whatsoever you say. And the apostle Paul says, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But if there's a good word of edification for someone, say that. Thinking it. And saying it are two very different things. So pray today that God give us the faith to say that. 
Next time we feel prompted and we open up a waterfall of encouragement to everyone around us. The fifth thing that is necessary is giving. Giving is necessary. It is through giving that we receive. This is a principle in the kingdom. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things at all times. Having all you need. Having all you need. God will supply your needs through your giving. And you will abound in every good work. This is not an exhaustive list of the things that scripture describes as necessary or needed. But will point you in the right direction. The sixth thing that I see ah, in scripture is necessary is suffering. It was going so well. I was very encouraged. And now what? <laughs> Suffering. Do you know what Jesus said one day? He said this. Oh foolish you are. And so slow to believe. In all that the prophets have spoken. Listen. Was it not necessary. That the Christ. Should suffer these things. And then. Be glory. Yes. That suffering. Was necessary. And there's around 30 times in the New Testament that this is reaffirmed by the apostles. The Apostle Paul says, I want to know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. And multiple times, rather than being told to reject suffering, we're rather told to sanctify it, embrace it, because it's actually part of life. If they rejected me, they will reject you. As they treated me, so they will treat you. And it's critical that instead of judging God for the things I don't understand, instead of judging God for the pains of life which ultimately come, rather embrace them, don't seek them, I don't seek suffering, but when I'm suffering for following Christ, I will embrace that. I will sanctify my attitude and I will realize, oh foolish people, and so slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ would suffer in order to enter his glory? And Paul and the others come to the same conclusion about the abuse, the malignment that they suffered in their lives. This is for God's glory. And I will walk through this suffering in his strength. So my conclusion on the theory of human needs. I've got needs just like you. And there's two ways for me to solve this. I can solve it the worldly way. Like Chris Martin. And I can seek approval in my empty cup. But I warn you there's a hole in your bucket. There's a hole in your bucket. And if you seek that direction, you're going to be seeking approval for the rest of your life. I can solve this problem or try to solve it. It won't work. The earth's way. Or I can solve it God's way. By being so filled up with the Holy Ghost 
that when someone tries to give me something, actually, I don't think I need that. I'm actually, are you sure? Yeah, I don't actually think I need that. I'm fine as I am. What are you seeking? What are you spending your time, money, and effort on? What are you seeking? Why are you seeking that? It's good to stop a moment and ask myself, am I putting the kingdom of God first? Because if I do, suddenly, whew, all my needs are met. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. The very things that the world runs after. Seek ye first the kingdom and I will take everything else into my responsibility. That's what scripture teaches us. For your finances, put God first and do what is right and don't let the important and the urgent scream so loud that you ignore what's needed. In your relationships, let God bless your relationships with a direction for the rest of your life, with your career. Trust in God. Can I ask Angela and Tim, sorry for surprising you. You know that song you sang, I, I Am Not Enough. Will you meet me here again? I thought the words of that were very poignant because I am not enough. And I'm sure I hope you agree with me. You are not enough. I need Christ. I need Christ. I need Jesus. And Lord, if I have been pursuing my own life, my own way, forgive me. Forgive me. And I will say today that I will seek first the kingdom of God. And I will trust you. I will silence the important and silence the urgent and obey my Savior who says, Do not worry about these things. For your Father in heaven knows what you need and will provide them if you do your part and seek first his kingdom. Thanks, Angela. And then I'll, after Tim, I'll just hand back to Sandra.